Hey, welcome to the film show on KBU. I'm S.W. Concer, and it seems that we are rolling right back into festival season. And with that in mind, we have invited just about everybody into the studio today. Ben Pop is here. Ben is the manager of the Northwest Filmmakers Festival, and he's brought a couple of featured filmmakers with him, Emily Wall and Cornelius Swart. Uh, but first, Josh Leek is joining us from the Portland Film Festival. Uh, great to have you back at uh, KBU, Josh. Hey, Conch. It's always great to be here. And for those listeners who have been expecting to attend the Portland Film Festival over Labor Day weekend this year, uh, don't worry. You haven't missed anything. The festival's just moved later in the season, um, October 30th through November 5th. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny. Uh, we thought we'd move later in the year to get a little bit more rain to encourage people to want to go into theaters. And, you know, if you look outside, it's sunny. So it looks like the sun has followed us. Well, uh, we can hope that uh, maybe the rain will follow us in a few days the way it usually does, and uh, and you will get your audience. So tell us, uh, what are some of the highlights this year? Yeah, well, thanks for having me again, Conch. It's always awesome to come down to Cebu. Um, I really feel it's a, it's a great community, um, and I feel that that's a lot of what you'll see at the Portland Film Festival. We have such a great community, and being a part of our community, the Portland community, we're screening a film every day of the festival by at least one or two Portland directors. Uh, so give us uh, some, our, our, now you got some famous up and coming, got some uh, emerging talent that you're going to be showcasing here. Well, it's funny that you'd ask. Uh, all the above. In fact, opening night, we're doing a film called Zilla and Zoe, which is a world premiere, and that has Portland actors. And closing night, we're doing a film with um, Christina Applegate, Domhnall Gib- Gleeson, uh. And um, it's a, a world premiere here in Portland. And um, the director actually is the editor for George Clooney, which is kind of cool. They're all going to be in attendance. And the writer of that film is from Portland, which is kind of cool. So we're kind of capping off the festival with Portland films. And you're going to have some meet and greets. You're going to have some opportunities for people to mix and mingle as well along the way. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just handed you an invite to our filmmaker welcome reception and champagne toast, which is Monday. Uh, Doors open at 530 at uh, Gearhead Production Rentals. Another things I kind of wanted to talk to you about were every day of the festival, you can not only see a Portland film, but we're also highlighting indigenous voices. Uh, You know, November is um, uh, Native American heritage. Month, uh, so every day of the festival, you'd be able to see one or two indigenous voices. And another thing that's pretty cool about Portland Film Festival is this year, fifty-nine percent of the films we're screening have women directors. Wow! No, that's uh, that's actually a very cool development there. Um, now, what sort of folks are going to be presenting or being appearing, being uh, available to the audiences? Well, we have a couple names people will probably recognize. Um, Aisha Tyler, who is on Friends. Uh, we have some uh, people coming coming for a special screening of Goonies, uh-huh. um, which is kind of a you know a local favorite. Uh, but we also have um, get some Astoria people. In the yeah, house, we have some uh, film. We have a film by a very controversial person. Um, Shy LaBeouf has his film "Take Me Anywhere," which is screening Friday of the film festival. And for those of you Portland uh, Portlanders out there, we all know and love the Piddick Mansion. Yes, we do. Well, we're throwing an event there on Thursday of the film festival. And we're inviting uh, Portland's uh, beloved author, Lydia Yuknovich. And she's going to be reading from her new book. 
and the hundred first guests will get a copy of her book. Wow! And it's called The Misfits, and that was something she did with um, TED Talks, which is kind of the connection with us. So pretty much every day of the festival, there's a networking and or party happening. We love to drink. And um, you'll see tons of movies. I think this year we're screening 185 movies. Wow. You're getting Lydia Yuknovich uh, before uh, Wordstock. That's right. Yeah. We're getting her before Wordstock. And it's going to be, I think, in one of the arguably most coolest locations <laughs> in Portland. So uh, don't miss our Halloween opening night party on the 31st. We've got two or three films you can see. Um, the indigenous film that we're playing is called When They Awake. And it's the U.S. premiere. It's about um, indigenous musicians. So if you're into music, um, that's definitely a place to be. We have some musicians flying in from, from Canada. In fact, I just got an email yesterday from the Canadian ambassador. Don't, that doesn't happen very often. And they're interested in attending. So if you're a Canadian and you want to meet your, uh, your government, uh, they'll be at the Portland Film Festival. Wow. So um, uh, give us a, a quick roundup before we uh, find out how people can get in touch. And Definitely. Well, uh, the Portland Film Festival, we're in our fifth year. Um, now, at our festival, you, you'll see films from filmmakers in Portland, but pretty much everywhere around the world. This year, we had submissions from about 50 different countries. Um, we have workshops, classes, arguably the, more, the most in attendance uh, as far as filmmakers go. Last year, we had about 430. 35 of them every day of the festival you can listen to the directors that are screening their films that day at noon uh at our director's chat and what even makes it cooler is we're serving free drinks and free food so you can get free lunch all during the festival and listen to filmmakers you can buy tickets find our you know schedule and uh, find out more at pdxff.com. pdxff.com. Well, Josh Leek, thank you so much for joining us again and telling us all about the Portland Film Festival this year uh, happening uh, October 30th to November 5th. Yeah, thank you, Conch. There's really so many different films to attend this this week, and I'm super excited. And I think it's, it's a great thing for the cinephile out there in Portland. Uh, you know, film is important, especially in the environment that we live right now. Listening and hearing independent voices for us is 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 something that's really amazing and something that really film does well. So don't just go in watch a studio film this weekend. I encourage you to go to a festival, whether that be the Northwest Filmmakers Festival, the Portland Film Festival. Uh, you know, go out and see a, a good independent movie. Words to the Wise from Josh Leek. Thank you so much. Uh, we are going to join some filmmakers in just a minute. Uh, now, here is a clip from one of them, Cornelius Swartz's feature documentary, Priced Out, 15 Years of Gentrification in Portland, Oregon. Take one. What, what does the word gentrification mean to you? Hmm. Uh, pain. <laughs> Um, loss, grief. The people that are coming here now are completely oblivious to what was. They don't, they don't care to know about what was. I've not yet found any indication that there's something positive associated for black people with gentrification. And they're just tearing apart like stuff that represented our childhood, stuff that was represented home for us. I think when we look at the black community in relationship to gentrification, it's one of those things where there's that saying, if they come for me at night, they'll be coming for you in the morning. 
a clip from Cornelius Swartz feature documentary, Priced Out. And now we are joined by Cornelius Swartz, as well as fellow filmmaker Emily Wall, whose short documentary, Fourth of Ohio, will also be featured at the 44th Northwest Filmmakers Festival. Emily and Cornelius, welcome to KBU. Thank, Thank you. you. And here to give us a quick rundown of the Northwest Filmmakers Festival, we also have Ben Pop in the studio. Ben, great to have you join us again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Conch. Um, one thing to let people know, this is the very same festival that started out in August of 1973 as the Northwest Film and Video Festival, for those of us who remember a few years back. Yeah, this is, uh, that is indeed true. This is the uh, longest-running film festival in the Northwest, actually, so... And you welcome artists from all over the Pacific Northwest, including Alaska, oh, British Alaska, Columbia. British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Montana. Um, there was even some Yukon submissions this year. Unfortunately, didn't make it in. But so, what makes what makes the Northwest Filmmakers Festival special? Like just a just a really great. Well, place it's to uh, I think the uh, you know the most important thing is the sort of regional aspect of it. There's really not very many regional film festivals at all. We have the um, our counterpart up in Seattle, the local sightings. But um, beyond that, you know, I, I don't think there's any other, that many other regional festivals. So it's a really important thing, and it's a really um, fantastic opportunity to celebrate and highlight um, work that's being made in the region. And you look for local issues that are really, uh, you know, just hitting the... Sometimes, yeah. Um, you know, this year they're just, and you know, maybe it's just sign of the times, definitely was something that was in the air. And um, so we usually, you know, try to find as best films that we can, but it's also nice to have that nice mix and cross um, crossing boundaries between different uh, types of films. So... Well, let's find out more from the filmmakers, Cornelius Swart and Emily Wall. Uh, Cornelius, you have a storied career as a journalist uh, before you started making movies. You were a staff member at the Oregonian newspaper uh, back when they still had staff. And uh, you also did a lot of work for KGW-TV and for Go Local PDX. Yeah, and I, um, I also owned a community newspaper that covered North Portland for... Um Newspaper ran for about 10 years. I owned it for about 10, uh, for about five years, sorry. Up in St. John's. Up in St. John's. It was uh, the St. John's Sentinel or Portland Sentinel. Later it became the Portland Sentinel. But we also covered um, inner north, northeast, out Alberta Street and, uh, and Albina. Well, your new documentary, Priced Out, this was inspired in part by what you personally saw going on in your own north, northeast Portland neighborhood of Albina, a traditionally African-American community. Yeah, this film is actually a sequel to a film that we released in 2002 called Northeast Passage, The Inner City and the American Dream, which was about gentrification in, in the late 1990s. So so Priced Out really took 20 years to make. We started filming Priced Out. Um, I'm sorry, we started filming the first one in 1997. So this film, you'll see a real time-lapse view of the neighborhood and how the issue has evolved to you know what we have today. Right, you see clips from Northeast Passage, and you have many of the same uh, faces uh, participating in the new movie. Um, and you start out early in the film, uh, introducing yourself and saying, "I'm Cornelius Swart, and I'm a gentrifier." Yeah, I'm, I moved into the neighborhood in 1998, so um, you know my street in particular was about half African American, half half white, and at that time, I thought that gentrification had played out. You know, that was like, oh, well, this neighborhood's not going to change any more than this. It's already been 
gentrified. Um, and all of that is talked about in the story that, uh, you know, I moved into the neighborhood because I couldn't afford to go anywhere else. And that I had been a renter and been um, evicted and um, had a family. No cause evictions. Had no cause evictions in my own history. And that, uh, you know, I wanted a stable place for my daughter to grow up. I had a, you know, six-month-old daughter. Uh, and so that's what brought me to the neighborhood. And, um, and so the, the, the documentary is about my journey as a homeowner in the neighborhood and the stories of my neighbors. Now, this is uh, pretty brand new that you've got this movie all put together. You played selected scenes at the Vanport Mosaic Festival this year, and now it's all put together. Uh, tell me some of the stories about um, just putting this whole story together, uh, keeping in touch with the people that you kept in touch with for so many years, and deciding you know, what was important, what to, what to keep, what, to, uh, what stories to tell. You know, the film is really, it's about me, but it's, it's mostly about a woman named Nikki Williams, who's the focus of the first film, and who lives only about six blocks away from me. She struggled during the first film to clean up her neighborhood. There was a lot of uh, drugs and crime uh, on her street, and her, you know, she grew up in the neighborhood her entire life. She was a single mom, and she, um, over the course of the first film, we see how she is so frustrated by the neglect in her community, institutional neglect, discrimination, uh, institutional discrimination, that she's willing to accept any kind of new investment in the neighborhood. So the first film ends with her saying, bring on gentrification. I can't wait to see more people fixing up houses and moving into new houses. She got in trouble with some of the, uh, you know, some of the folks from the neighborhood for reporting incidents to the police, incidents of violence along the way. Yeah, I mean, there's a code of silence in the neighborhood like any any kind of inner city community, um, you know, back in the, the drug war days, that that was very common. And uh, so, she, yeah, she took a lot of heat. She took a lot of, she had lots of threats against her. Um, and she, she pushed all through that, but... You know, 15 years later, she turned around to find that she was one of the last black families on her block. And so she came to me and said, I want you to do a sequel because this is not what I expected. I mm -hmm. didn't think that the community would be um, just wiped off the map uh, and that people wouldn't be able to come back into the community once it had been fixed up, once it had been, quote unquote, cleaned up. Um, and of course, that term cleaned up is real loaded. And, you know, so you have to see the film to see how we unpack it. But... Um, you know, that was the main thrust of the new film is to see how you get from wanting to see a community revitalized to seeing a community obliterated by investment. Right. And yeah, as you say, cleaned up is a loaded term. And some people would say that uh, actually back in the 90s and the aughts, the, there were some uh, members of the Black Panther Party who were cleaning things up and doing things in a, in, a, in a much more grassroots kind of fashion. And you talk to one of those people along the way in the film. Percy Hampton's in there. And, you know, there's always people who are trying to clean up the neighborhood. Right. It's like it's never like people like, oh, we just like it this way. It's that they don't get the cooperation support from institutions. That's that's the missing part. People are always trying to take their community back. They no, they never want neglect. They never want abuse. Never met anybody who was like, great, let's have you know people kicking in windows and uh, having crime and violence everywhere. And speaking of institutions, you put everything in a context, a, a really long historical context, going back actually to the Oregon Territory, but uh, focusing, uh, anybody who wants a good history of that region, the North Northeast, Portland uh, neighborhoods, 
can can uh, this would be a really good opportunity for people to find out what was going on with, say, the Portland Development Commission, who were given the mandate to fight blight, for example, and the things that happened when they took on that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you know many people, uh, you know, your audience may know about the the history of of Oregon as a sort of white separatist community it's established you know during the pioneer days and that that history is out there now um hasn't been out there for you know a long long period of time but you know you had a very small black community centered here and that was deliberately disinvested and then that disinvestment turned into blight boarded up buildings boarded up businesses and then the city turned around and said, well, we have to get rid of all these boarded up buildings, and so let's knock down the whole neighborhood. And so it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, a, a generational, complicit, deliberate removal of the community, and gentrification becomes just the next iteration of that, whether it's consciously being done by individuals or whether it's simply the momentum of this long history of isolation and neglect of, of the community. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, certainly there were, yeah, <laughs> there were incidents that happened such as the, 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 the hospital folks coming in and knocking down entire blocks that uh, just became abandoned areas that uh, did not get developed. And uh, then I-5, of course, split the neighborhood in half. So, so that's the sort of thing that has happened in so many cities, actually. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is, is done in the cause of revitalization. You know, it seems crazy for us to think about it in, in that term, but at that time, it was a misguided notion or a very inefficient way of doing um, what they thought was improving the community. But of course, it was embedded with racist assumptions as well. Um, but you can go all the way up to light rail, interstate light rail, which has its own contribution to displacement in north northeast so even today you know when we think of a progressive urban agenda you know it's still fueling displacement uh in the city and it it's also just the film also just shows the difference between cultural gentrification happening in albina and what you might think of more of a housing crisis happening throughout the city in which it's really more about people make this amount of money how are they going to afford housing that's costing this much, regardless of their race, regardless of their cultural history. Uh, and those are almost two separate issues, but we try to, to, to com- contrast and compare them so that people get a sense of, okay, I see where I fit in the big picture. Well, Priced Out, 15 Years of Gentrification in Portland, Oregon. That's going to be playing at the Northwest Filmmakers Festival. And you'll be there to talk. It's a, it's yeah. a feature-length documentary about, what, 65 minutes? And, yep, 62. And uh, so you'll be there on what date? November 1, the show's at 7 p.m. at the Witzel Auditorium in the Portland Art Museum. Please come down. And you're going to be continuing the conversation, I'm sure. Uh, you have uh, plans for the film in the future, uh, for taking it around and, and, and talking with neighborhoods and coalitions about this? Uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be going around the community. We're doing lots of community screenings. So if you go to our website, we'll update you. If you sign up for our newsletter, we'll tell you when the next community-level screening is uh, going to be. Well, thank you very much, Cornelius Swart. And um, Emily Wall is here. Before we talk about your film, Emily, Fourth of uh, Ohio, let's play a little clip for the listeners. I uh, like to, would like to say those were the good old days, but they weren't. The good old days are now. 
See, we went through the, the Great Depression, you know. That, uh, that, that was the worst. You could buy a pair of shoes for a dollar and a half, but you didn't have the dollar and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that was a catch. Yeah. <laughs> that was a clip from Emily Wall's short documentary, Fourth of Ohio, which has been getting a lot of attention on the festival circuit and is now coming to the Northwest Filmmakers Festival. Uh, it will be part of the Ethnographic Visions Extended Shorts Program. Well, Emily, tell us about this film and about the ethnographic visions. You met up with a 95-year-old fellow in rural Ohio, Morrow County, got to meet this uh, gentleman's multi-generational and multi-racial family. Uh, can you tell us how this project unfolded for you? Um, this project unfolded very organically for me. Um, the 95-year-old man and his family are actually my family. Oh. Um, he's my grandfather. Oh. Um we, my husband, um, Eric Macy, is the cinematographer, and we actually had no intention of making a film. Um, we went to Ohio, where my family lives, uh, to visit my mother after she had heart surgery. And um, we brought along our camera to document my grandfather before he's no longer with us. Um, but while we were there, the idea evolved to make a documentary about this place where they live. Um, part of that was because it happened to be the 4th of July, and there's a very Americana quality to this place. Um, and also, part of it had to do with the fact that this was 2016, and there had been a lot of talk um, in the media about rural white America and what it's like and what the politics are like. Um, and I just wanted to paint a portrait of this particular place in rural America to show what it's like, um, to show how I know it to be, and to do that as objectively as possible, um, and to share that with other people so that if anyone who's unfamiliar with a place like this, they might have preconceptions about what it's like, they might see something different, they might see something they expected to see, but I just wanted to offer this as an example to sort of you know, cross that bridge for people who don't live in rural America of like what it can be like and to not just listen to things that may be stereotypes or comparing one place in rural America that's that's different from another place because there is variety. It's not it's not a monolith, you know. Well, watching the, the film, uh, I couldn't help but think of some of the granges in Oregon that are, you know, not even an hour outside of Portland. But you'll see folks gathering these places, doing square dances, much like you see in the film in Morrow County. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's great to see that community still uh, being coalescing like that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too. Um, our, my grandfather talks about the way things have changed in his community, you know, and basically a century. Um, and the public celebrations that we went to see, um, there was sort of two sides of it, where there was this square dancing event, and it's mostly older people, and it's very sweet and very folksy. And then uh, the larger crowd actually happened to be at a truck pole, which <laughs> is quite different from the square dancing scenes. Um, and we, when we screened and you it... cover um, both. We do. We cover both. You get to see what both of those aspects are like. Um, and when we screen it with some friends, um, someone mentioned that 
to some degree, the film seems to show something of a dying culture, you know, the older people and like what they do and what their culture um, was like seems to be passing a bit and something new has come to replace it. Well, uh, you mentioned your partner and husband, mm -hmm. Eric Macy. He's the photographer. You were the director mm -hmm. on this uh, film. Um, Booklight Pictures is your little outfit that you have together. Mm -hmm. You've done uh, commercial shoots. Mm -hmm. You've done um, more, uh, you know, more personal films mm -hmm. as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, tell us a little bit about some of the work you've done as an editor, as a director. Um, well, we primarily freelance, and then every once in a while we get to do our own work. Um, so we've recently done a commercial uh, spot for a company called Land Apart that is sort of like the Airbnb for the outdoors where they're trying to um, – you know, make it more possible to camps in order to help take some um, pressure off of public lands and to open up recreation on private land that people have so that they also don't feel pressured to develop it, which we think is pretty cool. Um, we like to try to find um, work that has a, a significance uh, to our community as much as possible, even if it, it involves commercial work instead of documentary work. Well, Fourth of Ohio, your your short documentary does seem to contrast with some of your more advocacy oriented work by being um, well. It's just kind of fly on the wall cinema. Mm -hmm. I, it reminds me of the direct cinema of Frederick Wiseman and D. A. Penny Baker, mm -hmm. who are still making films in their eighties and nineties nowadays. Uh, there's no narration. There just doesn't seem to be. Uh, any particular judgment uh, for or against any of the folks here? You're just sort of following the events that are unfolding. Yeah, it's very voyeuristic. Um, if you like people watching, you'll probably enjoy watching this film. Um, I really wanted to try to keep my own opinions or judgments out of the film as much as possible um, to just hold up a mirror, as it were, to this place. And what's interesting is that then the film in itself tends to act sort of like a mirror for whoever's watching it, you know? People have their own impressions, their own interpretations that seem to differ. Um, and I find both of those things fascinating. I'm more interested, honestly, in hearing what people think after seeing the film than in telling people what I think about the things that are in the film. So this is part, of, again, of the Ethnographic Visions Shorts Program at the Northwest Filmmakers Festival. And when can folks show up and see you and see your film? Um, it is also going to be on Wednesday, November 1st, following Cornelius's film, Priced Out. And there are two other films in the program, um, one by Pam Minty and another one by... Lynn Seifert, uh -huh. out of Vancouver. You want to speak more to their films? Well, then? before we get back to Ben, and I, I do want to do that, uh, tell us how folks can find out more about your film online, for example. Um, you can go to booklightpictures.com uh, to see a trailer and to uh, find out more information. And then there's the Northwest Film Center site. And Cornelia Swart, how can people find out more about Priced Out, 15 years of gentrification in Portland, Oregon, if they can't make it on Wednesday to the Witzel Auditorium? You can, just, you can just go to PricedOutMovie.com and uh, sign up for our updates, and we'll send you a note when we have a new show. Well, Emily and Cornelius, thanks so much for coming in this morning talking about your films. Thank, Thank you. you. And Ben, yes, now we'll get back to you. How can listeners find out more about the 44th Northwest Filmmakers Festival? Yeah, um, go to the uh, website, nwfilm.org. Um, you'll see a tab for festivals on there. You can find the Northwest Filmmakers Festival. Click on that. You'll see all the films. 
uh, workshop, the Fresh Film Northwest, um, Northwest Filmmakers Summit, all of the fantastic things, as well as tickets, information, passes are only they're cheap 35, so come on out and support some regional cinema. No, November 1st through the 5th mm -hmm. at the Portland Art Museum's Witzel Auditorium. That's right. Ben Pop, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks, Con. You've been listening to The Film Show on KBU. I'm S.W. Conser. Uh, before we sign off today, I'll mention one more special film event that's screening tomorrow night at the historic Kiggins Theater right across the Columbia River in Vancouver, Washington. Friend of the show, Paul Bennell, is in town, and he'll be introducing his wild sci-fi musical extravaganza, The Ghastly Love of Johnny X. So that's uh, Friday, October 27th, 10 p.m. at the Kiggins Theater. Thank you once again to all our guests today, Josh Leek with the Portland Film Festival, documentarians Cornelius Swart and Emily Wall, and Ben Pop with the Northwest Filmmakers Festival. Thanks also to the Oregon Media Production Association for their support and collaboration. And thanks to all our listeners on the radio dial and on the web. The audio for the show is available on our archive page, kboo.fm slash thefilmshow. And you can keep up with us on Twitter at KBOO Film Show. Now stay tuned for an afternoon of music on your homegrown Portland radio station. Somehow it disappeared All my favorite places I see that big